Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Oh, man. My semester started this week, and I'm teaching at three different uh, colleges, and I feel like my brain is spinning. (laughs) So I'm glad to take a break from all of that and be able to talk about board games for a little while. Yeah, that is always nice. I started a new job, only one job, but I mean, (laughs) it's still new and a lot of learning, but not as exhausting as what you have going on for sure. Yeah, we'll just we'll just see how it goes. Who knows? Um, I just I'm teaching all different kinds of things, which does make it fun. Like I do like when I get to do different things and my schedule varies, but it's my brain is working overtime. And I'm also taking like a four week course online. So, you know, because I have nothing else to do. Katie loves to learn. She's a, a student of the world. I, I do. I love to learn. That's why I became a teacher. Then I would never have to leave school. That's what I've always been good at. So I thought, well, why leave? I mean, maybe. I Sometimes I think, why don't I leave? <laughs> yeah, that's true. that's true. Underpaid, underappreciated. Uh, pour my heart and soul out for no reason to like 18-year-olds who couldn't care less. You know, fun times. Yeah, 18-year-olds are jerks. Hmm. Oh, teenagers. God Not all them. of them, but as a general rule, most of them. Yeah. It's definitely a different world when you step into that that realm. I have to put like my armor on and remind myself that I really don't care what 18-year-olds think of me. I just have to teach my class. It's true. But enough about me. Enough about my problems. We're here to talk about games. So we should get started with the news. And honestly, I wish there was more to say. Um, My correspondent in the field gave me a news item um, about the new Circadian's Light um, expansions. You can check those out if you want. Or Circadian's First Light. Circadian's First Light, yeah. I haven't played the game. I didn't want to talk about them. It's space. So (laughs) I also thought about talking about like the Dice Towers got there. Um Kickstarter out, but I was only going to talk about it so I could say, well, we don't make any money off of our podcasts and our videos. We just do it for the love of games. But I thought that was self-aggrandizing, so I didn't put it on the list. But what I did put on the list was a game that inspires nostalgia. Um, It's from Bloat Games, I guess. It says they did the Survive This Zombies and some other stuff. The blackest of deaths and all this survived this business. I don't know anything about that. But apparently the creator likes RPGs and he's from Kentucky. So, hey, he's just south of the border. But this game that he made is called Play, Rewind, Eject. So it's a party game, um, as you might be able to tell by the title. But what's there's a couple cool things about it. And it's about movies. And I love movies. And also, I have worked in many video stores, even the famous and now extinct Blockbuster. Actually, I think all video stores are extinct, but for the most part, I, yeah, I worked at Blockbuster in Indiana, actually, a long, many moons ago. And so the theme of movies and play, rewind, eject really um, just sits with me. So what you do is 
everybody gets seven cards and they have movies. And I think they, I believe they said they pulled them from like um, the top, uh, the highest grossing and most beloved film list. I don't know what that means, but they apparently said that even if you haven't seen the movie, you probably heard of them. Um, and they've, they've got some expansion and stuff, but the core set has what they say are pretty familiar movies. So you get each person gets seven cards to start with and each card has one movie on it. So then uh, everyone takes like whoever is the turn, they choose one card to play. That is a movie they would play. They love it. You're keeping it the same. You don't want to change it. Then you pick one card that you would rewind. And that is you want to make it a reboot or remake it. So same basic story, but new script, director, cast, etc. So it could be good. It could turn out terrible, but you're like, let's remake this one. And then one, you want to eject. You want to remove that movie from history and the game like it never existed. So you select those and you place them face up on the table for everybody to see. So then you've got these cards that say play, rewind, eject. And you're going to lay them face down next to the movies so that people don't know which one is the play one, which is the rewind, and which is the ejecting. And they have to um, play their own play, rewind, eject cards to try and guess which movie you picked for what. Again, a very basic common, you know, type of play that we've seen in lots of Shag, other games. Shag, Mary kill. Shag, Mary kill. <laughs> but, um, but applying it to movies and that nostalgia um what happens then is once the, the ejected card actually goes into an ejected pile out of the game and you draw three new cards so like you keep ejecting cards and movies from the game um and you have to keep working with the ones you have as you keep going so your choices kind of become harder because you're ejecting the ones that you really dislike right off the top and then you're like, ooh, now what do I do? You know, do I play the Lord of the Rings, keep it the same? Do I try to rewind it? Um, what about up? Do I try to make it with real people? Like, uh, you just kind of get those those choices, which I think could be kind of fun. What I also love is the cards come in what look like cassette tape boxes. And uh, the original box is designed to fit not only the base set, but the expansions that they have. And they have four expansions, which I think sound cool. There's an 80s movie expansion, animated movies, comic book movies, and horror movies. So if you are a movie fan, and you know you just want like a casual kind of fun game to play with family, friends about movies, I would check out Play, Rewind, Eject. So there's 11 days left in that Kickstarter. Um, just the basic set is 25 bucks. If you want to get all of like the available expansions and stuff, um, so that's four different expansions plus the base, so five different decks, that's 75 bucks. All right, first off, news must be slow if this is what we're talking about. And s second, this is probably going to do gangbusters because that stupid, whatever the thing is called, like I said, Shag, Mary Kill, people have been playing that forever, and that's what this is, just with movies instead of people less sexist and all that stuff. So I, I bet this does pretty well. People like well, movies. Pe people like that silly game. Yeah. They only wanted to raise like 3,200 bucks. So they're like way past that. They have 159 backers now and they've raised $13,000. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot more than their one. 
Yeah, with 11 days still to go. And it looks like it's got that like cassette to or um, cassette VHS tape nostalgia feel to it. Like, I, yeah. And I think it would be fun. Like, you don't have to take it too seriously. You can play it, you know, with family members. Like, it's just a laid back kind of fun party ish game. And yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. I'm sure I know you don't want it. it. Yeah, I don't. It's not, I'm not even interested in the slightest but i'm sure other people will like it for sure yeah and that's that's all i have for news today all right so let's get talking about some games that we played we have a couple different ones um one of them is pretty new hotness and one of them is definitely not new hotness but we did play it so we're going to talk about it and the first one that we're going to talk about, I'm going to try to say this game name because it's kind of funky. Um, Oracalcum? Yeah, Oracalcum. I, I, yeah, okay. Um, it's a Bruno Catala game with a co-designer. I didn't know that at the time we played it. I didn't and, know it was Bruno. Yeah, me neither. I was watching uh, a video and somebody said it was a Bruno. I was like, oh, all right. I mean, it doesn't really feel like a Bruno game. Maybe it's a co-designer. Um, but this is uh, effectively a racing game. And what that means is you're trying to be the first player to get to five points to end the game. And the way you're doing that is you're going to be drafting a card that has a tile on it. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get different colors of tiles onto your little player board to form different groupings of certain terrain types to maybe earn a Titan. And that'll score you a point. Uh, you can maybe get different terrain types, and then you can take an action on one of the cards. Because when you take a card, you get a tile, and you also are allowed to do the action that's on that card. And I think there's four different actions. And one of the actions is buying a temple. I could buy a temple as long as I have four different terrain types, cover it up, I get a point. I can spend five gold if I take that building tile, and I can buy a medallion and get a point. Uh, you can also fight monsters, because every time you take a volcano tile, they're going to be considered wild, but you have to fight a monster that's on there. They give you rewards, and they block you from being able to build things, so you need to kill them. And after you take a turn, you can cash in some resources and different combinations to take another turn. And you're just trying to be as efficient as you can, taking tiles, making groups, building things to score five points. That's it. It's pretty quick. Um, I, I liked it. I like these kind of games. I know that I'm sure Katie will say that she's not a fan later, but um, I, I enjoyed it. It, it might have actually been a little too quick. Uh, that's my only issue with these games is sometimes you can get going, and by the time you actually get stuff built up so you your engine is moving to help you get those points, the game's over. So I do kind of struggle with that in these games a little bit, but it's so short that it didn't bother me a ton. I think we played this, and it was less than an hour. It was pretty fast. So how did you feel about Oracalcum? Um, I liked it, but yeah, because I don't like that race to a certain number of points. I, I, I don't mind if there's like a, a definitive number of rounds, even if they're short, but I like to be able to get points as I see fit and you get points as you see fit. And then we'll see how that worked out. Um, but I, th I think the name is super weird. Like the artwork is really kind of cutesy and cartoony. And like the name sounds like a deep, um, like Euro with Clemens Franz box art, you know, ugly looking people that are sideways and it's not. Um, so apparently that word means uh, mountain copper or metal. Yeah. It's like an ancient type of like material. Yeah, I, I didn't know what it meant. I, I do agree with you that it could be been called like 
anything else. Generic combat would have been a better name. Race to five points. That would have been a better name. I, I think the idea, like it, it was you. It's mentioned like in, um, like the story of Atlantis by Plato, right? So it, I, I can see where it's almost like you're building Atlantis, and that might have been the theme around it. Then I would have called it building Atlantis, yeah, <laughs> instead of Orc Halcom. Um, but that aside, like I, I think it had a lot of really cool things in it. But I agree because of that race system of points, like you don't get to do as much or explore those different things as much as I would want to. Um, so, so that, that for me was kind of a bummer because I'm like, Oh, I, I'm really into this game, but I don't get to try, you know, some different strategies to make points because it's already over. And I don't like that because I think that that changes your decisions. And so you take like the easiest route, which for me sometimes isn't the most fun or the one that I want to pursue or the one that like my, starting um, cards or tiles or whatever, or placement like really lends to. So I, I think that's what that, that would be the only drawback because yeah, I, I, I liked, I really loved fighting the monsters. Like that was a really cool thing. I like picking up um, even tiles that can help you like figure out, like maximize on certain things to get points for them um get special powers like i i thought it was really cool i thought a lot of good things going for it and it was it was pretty yeah it was a good game i i like this game a lot and i think the only benefit of that you know it being over too quickly is it makes you want to come back and play it again to maybe try to try something different you know see if that helps you win i i think that's one of the perks of the short game that ends like that it leaves you wanting more i guess yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was enjoyable, but just too short. All right, so the next one, going from Atlantis and words that we can't say, we're going to England, London, England, with Sherlock Holmes in a game called 221B Baker Street, the Master Detective Game. And this game is from the 70s. Kicked it vintage on this one. Uh, and this is a clue-ish game. Uh, what that means is you're rolling a die, moving a pawn around, and you're going into these rooms to get clues. Now, this one's a little bit different. It's gonna be, it's gonna have cases, and it's gonna have a certain solution that you're trying to obtain. So, at the beginning of the case, you're gonna be getting read like some backstory off of this card, and then every room is going to have some kind of clue that you're gonna be reading out of the book that represents the case. Some of the clues may be helpful. Some of them may not even be a clue. I think there was one room that wasn't even a clue. Some of them could be like one or two or th or two or three part clues where they give you like a clue that's like pointing you to a name or something like that. And you're just moving around, going to these rooms, trying to get the clues to answer the questions that the case says you need to answer. Um, you can lock rooms with um, uh, police shields. Gee. You can use a skeleton key to unlock that room. If you don't have a skeleton key, then you can't go in that room. Just moving around, obtaining clues, trying to make it back to 221 Baker Street to solve the case. Now, I did terrible at this. I didn't realize that the story that was up at the top is going to have a lot of pertinent information in there. So I was going to all these rooms, and the clues didn't make any sense. Brandon and Katie kept reading the, the thing clue over and over. I had no idea why they were looking at it. Um, turns out it was important. So I'm terrible at this. I think now that I know that that clue story is important i would do better on the second game but probably not 
great, but I think I would at least get some answer right. Um, so yeah, I didn't hate it, but it's definitely not one that I'm going to be chomping at the bit to play again. So how do you feel about 221B Baker Street? Um, this is one that I am chomping at the bit to play again. I was so excited because it has like that old school like clue look, but it's not like it's better. Um, the, yeah, it, the, it, move, the moving around on the board is better for sure. I'll, I'll give you that. In some ways, it's also, I would say, frustrating because um, like I, I went to the fir- I think it depends like it's it's luck of where you go if if it gives you like the best clue like i went to um the first the first place i went to i read it and i was like okay i pretty much have it solved and i i did uh because it was just a really good clue it like tipped me off right away i'm like okay i know who the murderer is um i'm i have a pretty good handle on what the weapon is and i have some guesses at motive based on the story scenario that i was given uh so then it was just like confirmation and like trying to figure out where i needed to go um what was the where would that because i i think the information you get sometimes doesn't seem logical with where it is, I guess it's confusing. Like I thought, oh, I, there there was a cigarette left at the scene of the crime. So I need to go to the tobacconist, which I guess it did give me information about the cigarettes. But some, again, some clues are kind of red herrings in some ways. And you're like, oh, They're well. They're red herrings. No, it's not. Like, oh, you told me this information, but I already know that person's not the murderer. So I don't necessarily need to know this explicitly, but I just feel like it tells a really full story of a crime. Um. And like we played a real, I guess a simpler scenario, but there's some other ones deeper in that you have to find more besides like the murderer and the weapon and the motive. Like yeah, if we, they had, we had to find A, B, C, and I think it goes all the way to like G or H of stuff you have to find. <laughs> and they get crazy. Which I find, I think that would be amazing. Like I, yeah, I think that's awesome. I think we have 80 cases or 60. We have two of the books. So we got the base book and then there was one expansion in the box. So I think there's 60 cases total in ours. Something like that. Yeah. I would really like to play this again. Really. So imagine playing a game of Clue. All right. And you're sitting down. You're ready to go. You just set up the game. Someone takes. Okay. So Katie goes first. She takes one turn. She says, I already know who it is. You haven't even had a turn yet. And then. What's the point of keeping on playing if Katie already knows who it is? That's what this game kind of feels like to me. That's what it felt like that time. So I was playing that, set this game up, we learned it, and then on turn one, Katie figured it out. Um, Yeah, that's not enjoyable a ton, but I would definitely try it again if you want to now that I kind of know what's going on. I mean, to be fair, it's just because I like happened to look out and go to the right clue the first time that gave me the last name of the murderer. So now I was like, oh, okay. I know the last name of the murderer. There's only one person with that last name, so I know who the murderer is. And if I, I read the story, and I know what this this cat's deal is, so I can deduce, you know, his motive, and I just have to find the murder weapon. Like, if someone else had gone there first, they would have drawn the same conclusions. Yeah. Maybe. So it, I, guess, I guess I just didn't know the story meant that much in it, I guess. Yeah, which I like because I felt like it wasn't just simply Clue where it's like, okay, we draw a random person, a random weapon, and, you know, a random room where, like, 
the lead in, like who all the major players were, what was found at the scene, all those things actually worked together. So it was a little more in depth, not as in depth as like a consulting detective, which obviously first love, but um, for like a roll and move basic deduction game, I really enjoyed it. And I definitely want to play it again. Um, and next time I figure it out on the first time, I'll just write down a piece of paper and prove myself right later and not tell anyone. Sounds good. If you like this one, you should try Who Done It because it's similar, just without the Sherlock Holmes theme. Didn't we play it? Uh, I played it with Brandon, but I don't know if you played it or not. I, Is that not the sure. one with like the different um, jewelry and stuff? No, that's suspicion. No, 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 no. Who, who done it? You're looking. There's these. It's you're rolling around. You're rolling and moving. You're going into these different rooms trying to find. There's like five different types of bad guys. There's different weapons. There's different motives. Uh, there's different like personality types. It's similar to that, just with no story overlying art. Oh, but I like thing. the story. That's part of it. Yeah. I was expecting the, the Baker Street game to play more like Who Done It. So I think mm-hmm. the reason I did so bad was I expe- was expecting something that I wasn't. So, But we have 59 more cases or 49 more cases that we can try. And eventually, maybe I'll do better. You usually do. Like, once you get what you're supposed to be doing, once I helped you figure out deduction, <laughs> I yeah. feel like you could do it. My brain's a little slow sometimes, so uh, it takes me a minute. You're just not as suspicious as I am about things. I'm like, hmm. It also doesn't help that I always interpret things differently than every single other person that reads it. So that's hard in deduction games. So I need to, it always takes me a little bit longer to flip my thinking around when I'm playing games like that. All right. So those are two of the games we played. Let's keep moving on. Right. Well, we have moved quickly on back to our top 100 games of all time. And holy cow, we are running into our top 20. Um, on this episode, we're only going to talk from 20 to 11. Um, this is where you're going to see why Jason and I are soulmates. <laughs> you, There's a few exceptions, but most of our games, you will see more than once um we overlap quite a bit there's a few from last uh last episodes list that kind of reappear in the other here and i assume in our top 10 it'll be very similar um based on what i'm seeing because we do love and most of these are crunchy euros i think they all are (laughs) i mean some of them are uglier than others There's a couple non like crunchy euros on here, but most of them are crunchy euros. They are. So Jason, kick us off with your number 20. All right. So my number 20 (laughs) is, we'll just say the top 20 is going to have a lot of a certain country of designers on here. And that that country may be Italy. (laughs) And uh, my first one is definitely from the Italians. I'm not sure which ones. doesn't matter. I'm just going to call them all the Italians. And it is the Voyages of Marco Polo. And this is a game that is a it's a dice placement game. And you're using your dice to gather different resources. Um, there's fabric, spices, gold, camels, money. And then you're using those resources to move around this map, tr- like traveling like Marco Polo did, to set up trading posts in different locations to activate 
end of round abilities, score points, have more places to use your dice. And ultimately, you're trying to move around to complete these two like mission cards that you have. You want to visit all these locations on the cards. Um, the, the tricky part is moving around is expensive. It takes two dice. Um, it can get pricey if someone else goes there first. You got to pay a tax. The cool, and that's another cool thing. You can put your dice on top of other people's dice, so not, nothing is really blocked off unless you don't have any money because you have to pay a tax to the bank, and you know that can get pricey. But really cool game. It's got a lot going on. It's only five rounds, so you can't do much of anything that you want to do all the way, but you make the best of it. You have fun. It burns your brain, and I like it. So number 20, The Voyages of Marco Polo. This is good. I believe this will be revisited next week. Nice. My number 20 is a Martin Wallace game. You hate this game. It's I can't believe it's this slow. You hate this game. It's you must despise it. It I I haven't played it for a while. I think if I played it again, it'd move up to my top 10. I mean, Marty Wallace, you all know how I feel. Brass, yeah, we you love Surprise brass. is brass. No, when that be everybody would die. <laughs> it's definitely not brass. That game sucks. Okay? It's London. Oh my gosh. I love this game. So London is an absolutely hideous game. And I'm talking, I have the OG, not the new one that gets rid of the board because that's stupid. Yeah, we don't want that good artwork stuff. Get it, get that out of here. I don't even know. It's not even that great artwork either, but it's, better it's certainly than better than the first, which I just think <laughs> yeah. is like black blobs on the back and then like clip art on the front. Um, and then like tiddlywinks of different colors for money. Uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. Woof, right? Um, but London is card game. There is a board also, but primarily it's this card hand management game where you are playing cards out of your hand into a tableau to make your city. Um, every time and like once you get so many cards out there, you can run your city. That means you're going to use the cards and like run this tableau to produce. It's like an engine. It's going to produce things for you like points and money. All good things. All good things. Also, though, when you run a city in the Industrial Revolution, like for some reason, Martin Wallace is totally caught up in. You're going to have poverty. And poverty builds and builds. And you may find ways to get rid of a little of it, but you cannot avoid it. And so part of running your city is to like keep the size manageable to manage your poverty because you get rid of as much poverty as the lowest amount of poverty person has. Is that right? Uh, or, or is it the opposite? Whoever has yes. the, yeah, whoever has the least, they they get, get rid, rid of, of all of theirs. Yep. And then if you have more than them, you keep the remaining difference. And poverty is negative points. Uh, so you're really and every time you play a card, you have to get rid of a card of the same color um, as payments. So you're like balance, trying to balance all these things. Um, I, I just love that. And you'll see another game that's even higher that is about hand management like that. I love trying to like make the best out of a tableau and play cards and and you can lay over top of them and get rid of ones and keep ones and draw ones and. Um, there's also kind of another uh, the one way to mitigate poverty is to kind of do. I don't want to say an area control. You can just kill your populace. That helps. <laughs> no, you can put you put um, cubes out on the board, the different areas of London. Yeah, you can purchase the boroughs. Yeah. So I don't know this like area control, but sort of like staking a claim, like territory. 
Yeah, I guess, but you're not really fighting for the areas. Once it's bought, it's bought. It's it just, just gone. So yeah, you it take it. Yeah, it helps you reduce your poverty. Yeah. Um, so that's helping you reduce your poverty. You can also connect the underground for like points, which I really love to do if that works out. Um, just, it's so good. Like, I don't understand why Martin Wallace has all these other really crappy games. And London is so good that that card management mechanic, like, oh, it's so great. I don't care if it's hideous. You could paste other stuff on top i mean you could probably make a print and play of this and like make it look real good but also play the ugly one because i just love the mechanics of this game so my number 20 is london yeah this one's all right oh uh, my gosh stop <laughs> all right so my number 19 i let me say this before i go to my number 19 when i was making my list apparently i put on this list the games that i wanted to play um, and the more that I wanted to play them, the higher they went up. Because this is a game that I don't play a ton, but I want to play it. And the reason I don't play it is this is a Vital, Uncle Vital game, and they are beasts. And I normally don't want to teach it, and Katie's basically the only one besides me that knows how to play it. And uh, anybody else would have to teach it to, and I don't want to do that. So my number 19 is Lisboa. And this is a, a beefy, heavy Euro game about rebuilding the city of Lisboa after the floods, the earthquakes, and the fires that happened in some year back in the day. <laughs> and the what you're doing in this game is you are basically acquiring the favor of one of these three people that are going to let you take different types of actions. And when you do that, it's going to unlock 47,000 other actions that you're able to do on your turn just by picking one of these three people. It's going to let you do these all these other things. And you're trying to put out some area influence on these people. You're trying to rebuild different districts and columns and rows in, in Lisboa to score a pile of points. You're trying to clear rubble cubes to complete sets to score more points. You're trying to recruit some ships so you can deliver goods and score more points. Vital said that's important. Um, you're trying to uh, do a whole bunch of other things. But the interesting th way it works is you're playing a card. You're going to play a card either onto the main board or above your player board or below your player board. And where you play the card determines how your action is going to play out. There's a huge pamphlet of what happens when you take an action, like a little cheat sheet. It's a beast. Um, I love it. I want to play it. I just don't. But And that makes me sad. So my number 19, Lisboa. I do like Lisboa. It was my number 68. It It is just very complex. That's why. Um, my number 19 is... Oh, man. I think this might have fallen a little bit. And it's because I haven't played it a lot because the setup kind of sucks on it. And people don't want to play it with me because it, it does take a while. I don't know. I just want to play it more. But nobody plays it. And that makes me sad. But I am kind of obsessed with this game. But and that's obsession. <laughs> obsession. Oh, my gosh. I love this game. I love the designer. I don't know the designer in real life, but. I love him because the attention to detail, the thematic rendering of this game is so boss. Like, I love that. Like, the reason why people need certain... Ser okay, so in Obsession, you are a family that's fallen on hard times and you're trying to reestablish yourself. So you want to raise your reputation and you want to raise your money 
because that's what you need. You want to be back in the upper crust. So you are holding uh, events at your estate so that you can kind of raise money and you're inviting guests that are maybe going to give you some money that are going to increase your reputation. Um, you're going to hire more servants to help you out, help you run these events. You're going to make upgrades to your estate because you want to woo the fair childs who are these wealthy orphans, poor dears. But if you can get them married off to you and you can raise your family way back up into the upper tier society, which is, of course, where you want to be. It is like it is down Abbey, the board game. It's got upstairs, downstairs, which ironically is also um, the expansion, which, oh, my gosh, it's such a good expansion as I mean, the game by itself, base game. Great, great. But upstairs, downstairs has some add some really great servants with abilities that do such cool stuff. Oh my gosh. And the meeples are flipping adorable. Um, I love the different activities. Like I love the different guests. I love, love this game. I, I just love this game. It's, it's so good. It's so fun. Um, I love it. My number 19 obsession. Yeah, so a little factoid about this that I just found out today. This is now number 100 on BGG, which is pretty high. hey yo! Considering this game was like criminally out of print for a long time, it has a lot of fans. I feel like I'm part of the reason why it's <laughs> number 100. <laughs> it's, it's not me. Yeah, we have talked about this a lot. It's a good game. Uh, my number 18, I believe Katie talked about last week or the week before. I don't know. But it is called Hadara, and this is... Last week. It's everything that Seven Wonders wanted to be, but this does it in a way better package. They're not similar games at all, but like theme-wise. Uh, what you're trying to do in this game is you are drafting some cards from these five different areas. You're going to pick up two. You're either going to decide to buy one, put it in your, your tableau, use its ability, score its points, move up its tracks, or you're going to sell it for the money on the back, and then you have to discard the other one face up into the pile. After everybody does all that five times, then we're going to do another round of going through the face-up piles, buying some cards, doing all that, and then we're going to have to feed our people. We're trying to, you know, Katie said all this stuff last week, uh, acquire some military tiles, just score most points. You're trying to make your tableau, your civilization, the best that you can to score the most points. It's super easy to play. It's actually pretty easy to teach to. But for like a mid medium weight game, it's got a lot going on and lets you think about a lot of things. And I like that. So my number 18, Hadara. Yeah, it's super good. Obviously. My number 18 is, I think Jason talked about this last week or the week before. And I thought, how dare he rank it so low? Another game of the Italians, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. This game is so good. Like you've got, it's... um. Dice my placement. Number, it was my number twenty-one. It's not that low. Okay, just last week. Whatever. That's okay. It's three spaces too low. <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't remember when you talked about it, Lorenzo. It's um, like dice placement, but you all have the same. No, we don't all have the same dice. Yes, we do. Yeah, we all share the dice. Yeah, we share the dice. Um, and you're using it to draft cards that you're then going to either use for in-game points. Or for your tableau that you're building, you can run this engine that's going to give you stuff that you need to actually purchase these cards. And like the good ones are expensive, like uh, resources are so flipping tight in this game. 
But I love that. Like, it's such a puzzle and a challenge of like, how can, again, how can I make the best use of these cards, like getting in-game cards that like sync with what I have. You've got these um, like family leaders or something. I'm not sure what they're called. I think you've got a couple of them and you can turn them in for like resources at any time, which you need. But if you can like fulfill them and like play them, they give you like awesome powers too. So and points. So it's just like, ooh, you're just trying to be economical, but also like, you're just trying to gather points in whatever way you can. Like it is just, it's so good. It is kind of a lot, I think, because you've got all these moving parts. Um, but really, like you're just selecting cards. But the choices are, are so like meaty. I It's such a good game with bad art. Uh, so my number 18 is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Yeah, I don't know how the Italians do it. They are really good at making a game actually be pretty simple but give you a lot of stuff going on and makes it feel heavier than it is yeah i don't know how they do it all right so my number 17 is a plaid hat game now i'm no fan of the plaid hat games this may in fact be the only one that i like <laughs> i can probably say that with certainty that this is the only one that i like and this is abomination the air of frankenstein and this is a worker placement game where you are going around trying to collect body parts, well, collect bones, blood, organs, uh, tissue to build body parts because you're trying to create a Frankenstein monster, something like that. Um, but if you go the way you go about getting those body parts, some of it's a little shadier than others, may cause some of the cops to come at you, may make you lose your humanity. So you're trying to juggle all that to be able to make your monster as efficiently as you can to score points, then shock it to life. It's like a race, kind of, to be the first player to shock your monster to life, and then that ends the game, whoever most points is the winner. But throughout this game, there's also some event cards that pop up, where if you go to certain locations and people don't know that that's an event, it could trigger some stuff that goes down. So it's like that crossroads thing that some of their other games have. I don't know, I don't play their games. But this one does it. It's maybe a little too long. I don't care. It's fun. It's a cool theme, and I like it. So my number 17, Abomination, The Heir of Frankenstein. This is a good game. There are two plot hat games that I like, but you haven't played the other one that I like. Forgotten Waters. Yeah. I know I know of it. Yeah, it's, it's a good. game. I know it's a game. I feel like I would like Stuff Fables, too. but Yeah, we could probably play that with the girl, the youngest I girl. I know. I think so. I keep lobbying for it. You keep not buying it. If it was another company, maybe. All right, my number 17 has dropped significantly, and I'm not not sure why. Um, I blame Bob. No, I beat him. Oh, that's true. No, he won because he did that stupid card thing, remember? No, he didn't. He thought he was going to win, but I think I squeaked out the win on this one. That's right. I think. I don't don't know. Um, I'm looking at my top 10. I I don't know. We we did play it. We never did say the name of the game. Sorry, I interrupted. Oh, it's fine. We did play this fairly recently. This is a Feld. So I'm assuming this is my highest Feld. Since I don't really know what he made, but I'm sure he didn't make the other yeah. ones. Yeah, I don't see your number 10, your 10 through 1, so yeah, I don't know. But probably not. I, I'm going to say no. So it's my highest Feld, and it's Merlin. Um, Merlin is this game that has these cool rondelles. Um, again, this is, you're using dice as your action selection. I would say the dice correspond to your little person on the board 
or Merlin, or we also have also have the Arthur expansion, and so you can get a dice for Arthur too, which is great. Um, you are fighting off invading types of armies. You are just trying to collect points and like fulfill. Like there is a ton of stuff you can do in Merlin, which is why I love it. You can go into any like you. There's like an area control board. You can go into that one. You could really like try and do area control even on the main board itself um trying just to have all of your different types of workers out there um all of them for every round that's going to give you points too like sec like there's just a lot of ways to get points in this and that's why i like it so much um it's just a well done game i love the theme also which again the theme doesn't really play that much into the actual gameplay itself, but I, I, I like the look of it. Um, I like the Arthur expansion. Like I, it's just, it's just a good game. It's good. So my number 17 is Merlin. I don't know if I did it justice, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. I'm sure we will. Uh, my is this your six- favorite Feld? Uh, I don't know. Let me peek at that before I say, while I'm saying my number 16, uh, this is my favorite Feld. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've converted you. You're, you used to like yeah. another Feld more, and that was stupid. Yeah, I've already talked about that one. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number sixteen is I don't. It's it's the designer is Matt Gertz, and it's a great game. I'm not, I was trying to think of something clever, but who cares? It's Concordia. <laughs> uh, I think this, I talked about it last week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds right. So Katie's already talked about this a little bit. This is a game where you're moving around the board. Well, you're playing cards from your hand to take certain actions. The cool thing about this is you have a card in your hand that lets you pick up your other cards. So you're going to be kind of managing your hand by acquiring cards, playing them in certain orders, picking them up when you want to. You also have a card that can copy someone else's card if they just played. And you're trying to move around this board, uh, get more people out, get more boats out, build buildings so you can kind of meet these in-game goals that are going to be on cards that are also in your hand. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. It's actually pretty simple to play once you figure out what how everything works. It's just playing a card and doing what the card says, but figuring out what those cards do is the tricky part. We have Salsa. It adds salt, which is like a wild resource and some other cool stuff, but we've only ever used the salt, I think. Um, it's a great game. Uh, the card thing has been copied in lots of other games now, but I still think this one does it better, and it's... If you haven't played it, you need to because it's amazing. So my number 16, Concordia. Yeah, this is my number 31. I look back. So technically two weeks ago. My number 16 is a Stonemaier game. And we avoided it for a long time because Jason was like, this game is hyped up. It's going to be terrible. I'm not getting on that hype train. Blah, blah, blah. So then we finally played it. <laughs> that sounds just like me. Good job. It, it does. Thank you. That's just not the voice I use for you. I don't want this, this hype trade. Oh, everybody says so great. Oh, it can't be that great. I don't know. Don't want to make it. That's usually my voice. I for want you. everybody to comment and tell me if I sound <laughs> like that. It doesn't matter if they think you actually sound like that. In my head, when you say these things, that's how you sound. <laughs> I go through a filter in your brain. <laughs> yes, it is that. I'm saying something ridiculous, filter. Um, my number 16 is Wingspan. Um, I I will admit it. I'm sorry. I hate birds. I do. I, I don't like to watch them. I'm certainly not going to feed them. Um, no, thank you. They will peck your eyes out and they carry disease. No. But Wingspan, I love. P- 
because it's all about building like this awesome tableau and using your cards in ways unique to you to get you the most points. Ugh, it's so good. I also love that with all the expansions, they've kind of added like a new, again, like method that your birds can your bird cards can give you things. So you have bird cards that can give you something like on your turn when you like run the action. There are birds that give you things when someone else does something. There are birds that give you things in between rounds. There are birds that give you things at the end of the game. Oh, I love that. So this is card game. Every card is a different bird. And you're trying to fill some in-game goals that you get. There are end of round goals that you can shoot for and you're trying to gather points through either your bird cards directly, any of those goals, um, having eggs, um, like caching food on cards, having birds that eat other birds. So you put cards underneath them. The theme, it works really well because like the predator birds are the ones that you can put bird cards underneath there. Like there are like the cuckoo goes in another bird spot. Like it just, it's so great. It's such a good game. Again, on your turn, you're just taking one of like four actions. Super easy. But as you're like playing more cards, you're triggering like more things and doing more things. And like each round just gets better and better. I really like this game. Now, if you have a lot of people and they aren't, again, thinking about what to do on their turn, on other people's turns, which you should in most games, the game can take longer, especially in those later round turns when you've got lots of cards firing off. That is a drawback. But I love the mechanics of the game. I love that I can kind of do my own thing. Um, like maybe I'm like, dude, I want to get uh, cards, bird cards that eat birds. And that's how I'm going to get points. Or like, I'm going for going all in on some in-game goals or whatever like and then you just you're just seeing who does whatever method that they've chosen the best i love it it's so good and i also like to play with little eggs and we have upgraded like um food bits so that like makes you really happy so my number 16 is wingspan yeah this was in my 30s it is good it is good so my number 15 i was looking through my list Katie clearly hates this game, but I, oh like, my it gosh. More, I like it more than her. Uh, it was my number, f- number 20. We just discussed. <laughs> it's in the same section as yours. So I was looking through my list, and this is my favorite Martin Wallace game as well. Ha! Now, this year it is. And it is London. Everything Katie said about this game. It's a really cool engine, uh, tableau builder, I guess, engine builder, card game, uh, where you're just trying to have the most points and the least amount of poverty. That's that's the whole point of the game. Um, it has some really cool card play. You're playing cards to play cards. Uh, you're playing cards of certain color, discarding them to be able to play cards of that color to your engine. Uh, you can make your engine as big as you want, but it produces more poverty. Uh, you can make it small, but you know you're not going to get as much benefit when you run it. But you get less poverty, so it's kind of that balance of balancing act. Great game, terrible art. This version is definitely better than the second. Uh, the second's fine, but I like the board. I think the board does add an additional element to the game that I enjoy. So I like this first edition better. So minor 15, London. Like I already said, good game. I mean, maybe if we played it more recently, it would be 
higher, like closer to Jason's number. My number 15 is a game that Jason already talked about that we actually backed on Kickstarter and we have upgraded bits for. What the heck? And that game is Genotype. Um, I really like this. It's so fun. This is where you are like kind of following the steps of Gregor Mendel and, you know, replicating pea plant experiments working on their genes. And like you're doing that by rolling these dice and seeing what gene combos are possible because you're trying to fulfill like these different cards of plants. You're getting people to back your research. You're getting tools that are helping you as you grow plants. Um, It's dice drafting. Because you sort of it's worker placement sort of, and dice drafting. Because yeah. you you place your workers to then draft the dice of the genotype that you want. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, I I love the theme. I really like the art. I just think it's such a cool idea. Um, it's like this great little puzzly bit. And again, like you can make points off of tools and coins and stuff, and even like getting other monks to help you. And those powers are really cool. Um, or you're like, okay, I'm going to try to complete as many plants as possible and all these experiments. Like, it's, and then you also are like being able to place and check like in game goals that you want to pursue and be a part of um, based on the different genotypes that you're kind of drafting. Like, it is just, it's such a good game. And yeah, there are lots of things to think about, but I always feel like this game just feels real chill. I don't know if it's just because you're supposed to be a monk and you're just working in your, your pea plant field, but I I don't know. I just really love it. So my number 15 is Genotype. Yeah, I agree. It is kind of like uh, you're just going to going to work, growing some peas. <laughs> yeah, um, it feels great. Yeah, that is what it feels like, yeah. Uh, all right, so my next game, number 14, um, Katie also hates this one for some reason. Uh, oh is my gosh! Obsession, um, and I think the reason that it's actually higher for me than it is for Katie is I've been playing some online. Yeah, and- you and your boyfriend Fred. Okay, <laughs> I mean I love Fred, and Fred says I'm invited to game with him anytime, but he games online with you all the time, and oh. with one of my favorite games. I love Obsession. Do you game online? No. Because well, there I, you go. I am old and I don't know how to use the online fangled things. Well, maybe you should quit being a boomer and learn how to game online. Or maybe I should quit working like five jobs and have time to game online. It sends you an email. You click in your game. You take your turn. You forget about it until you get your next email. It's pretty Do nice. you know how many emails I get from well, that's, students that's complaining yeah. about nonsense? That's true. That, that was, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you don't want more emails. I but don't. Obsession is everything Katie said. Um, it's... At its core, this is really a pretty simple game. You pick a tile, you collect a servant that you need to run that tile, because each of the, the tiles have a different requirement, and then you're going to play cards from your hand, maybe, not always, um, to get extra bonuses. You're going to get the bonus on the tile, you're going to get the bonuses from the cards that you play, which are gentry, and then you're just trying to get money and points to be the best up-and-coming family to earn the fair child's love and affection and support um that's it it's there's a lot going on in the game and there are a lot of decisions but at its core it's pretty simple pick a tile use the tiles action play some cards done uh it it's great there's you can have so many cards there's piles of cards uh there's a card that this guy has no legs from the war he needs two valets to help him (laughs) so you got to play the you got to play this have the the servants available to play that guy because he needs extra help you got to carry one person each side to carry around i love it 
It's amazing. It's super thematic for like a little chill tile card game. But yeah, I, I love it. And the more that I've been playing it, the more that I can really see how stuff fires together and not having to set it up mm. makes me like it even more because the setup is a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but the game is worth it if you can get through the setup and the teardown. So my number 14, Obsession. I think we we need to box it differently in order to make it easier. I think that's the problem. Yeah, I need to go through and separate out the tiles again uh, in a little more efficient manner, I think. Yeah, I'd like some labeled baggies or something. Yeah. It just is crazy town. Um, my number 14, we just played recently. And again, I love it so much. I love it so much. Um, and that's Elysium. Oh, I know this is by Space Cowboys. Ha! Good job. I don't know who the designer is. <laughs> Matthew Dunstan and Brett J. Gilbert. Hmm. And then, like, there was talk, like, oh, they're never going to do an expansion. And then it was like, oh, yeah, there is an expansion coming. And I still see nothing from it. It's never coming. But there should be. So this game is so good. So in this game, um, it's oh, it so easily could be. You have these... Um, yeah, they're definitely Greek gods and goddesses. And you choose, like, I think five of the decks to play with. I think there's only nine. Uh, there's eight, and you play with five every time. Okay, there's eight, which is criminal. Because let me tell you, I just named 30 types of turf seed after gods and goddesses as part of an experiment. And you can easily find get more than eight. Totally awesome expansion. I don't understand it. Anyway, so in this game, it's this card drafting. You're drafting cards, but each of the cards has like a colored symbol on it that corresponds to these four little pillars that you have on your little board. So when you draft a card, you have to have the pillars in front of you that the card requires. And then once you draft a card, you remove one of those pillars from the round. So looking to see what's left, um, what kind of cards you want, to make sure you have the pillars right is a really intricate part of the game because then you also have to get like, Oh, I forget what those tiles are called. Uh, order. No, a mission. Uh, I don't uh, know. A something. It, a quest. Maybe? A quest. A quest. Yes. What is your quest? You have to get a quest, which um, is allowing you to move cards into Elysium, which is the scoring portion of your board um, and also money. And so, And it also dictates turn order. So having the right column for the right turn order and stuff that you want is also important. So you're drafting these cards and you're tableau building, you're you're managing what you have, like to get the max of these cards, because some cards are going to give you points for other things. Um, Some cards are going to allow you to like move cards to Elysium, which is going to be in scoring. You also are doing like a set collection thing where you want cards of the same number in different from different families different colors which are the different gods and goddesses or you want um runs in a single god or goddesses um family and move those to elysium oh my gosh like the again it's super easy i pick a card i move a pillar but oh, the choices are agonizing and, and like really getting the synergy to work between those cards. So you're just going bam, 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 getting points left and right, getting special powers that help you get more cards and like move things to Elysium for free or for cheap. Um, yeah. And I, I love Greek mythology. I'm super into mythology and I love this game. So my number 14, Elysium. This is another one of those games that 
is over too quickly too. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I wish maybe it was another round because I always feel like I, I need more stuff going on to help me get more points. Um, my number 13 is a Feld game. And this is one that we don't play a ton, but I always want to play it. But I don't know. We have like a, a German version and it has sleeves on the cards with English like paste ups in there. Um, and it's real hard to shuffle and it becomes a pain in the neck, but I like playing it anyway. And the game is called Bruges. And this is a failed card game. It's mostly cards. There is a board, but the board is just there to move up on a track and put some dice on and these little wooden bits, uh, cardboard bits. And what you're doing is you are on a, on your turn, you're going to play a card and the card is going to be used in one of, I think, five different ways. It could give you a worker of that color if you discard it. It could let you build a canal on the board in that color if you have the proper money and you have a connection that you can be made. It can let you get rid of one of your plague tokens of that color. It'll let you build a building in your tableau of that color. And it will also let you play a worker in or you can play the card into a building that you already have built. Doesn't matter the color and that'll give you some special ability or a place to put a worker later. And you're going to do that over, like, I think there's five turns in a round, and it takes place over, I think, like, six or seven rounds. And then whoever has the most points after all that is the winner. It's strictly a card game. There is a track you're moving up, and you're using the dice that are rolled on the board to help determine some income that you'll get from playing cards and all that kind of thing. It has a lot of decision space, really, just for the card being one of five things you can do in different colors. But I like it, and it's one that I always want to play. We just never do. So my number 13 is Bruges. I know I've played this like once, but it hasn't really stuck with me. So that's probably why we haven't played it again. Because I was like, meh. I don't yeah, know. I've, I mean, I've played it with Jim and Cam and Brandon and that. But I think, yeah, you've only played it once, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it seemed okay. Um, in, in a continuing assessment of games that I like that have to deal with like hand management and whatever the mechanic is where you like make your cards work together in the best way possible. My number 13 is another Stonemaier game. Hello, Jamie. I see you. Um, and uh, I really like this game. That's Red Rising. A lot of people, like, for some reason, give this game, like, crap. I don't know why. And they're like, well, they, I mean, Marvel Remix takes a similar card Boring. approach. I like it. Um, but this does other things. So in Red Rising, you've got this hand of cards that you start with. And each card has some requirements for it to have to get points or even for it to lose points. And so on your turn, you're drawing a card and you're playing a card. Now, where you're pl you play a card kind of dictates any actions that follow. Um, also, where you take a card from can kind of and what that card does for you like so you really it's very difficult to gain cards in your hand because you're usually playing and replacing but you're also like trying to collect some resources you're trying to move up on some tracks um we have the deluxified version which i think has awesome components but it does have the problem that a lot of the colors are very similar which is kind of a pain um, because everything else about this game is so good. Like the artwork is really cool on the cards. It's got all these different colors. Again, some of the colors are similar on the cards even, but they have the name written on them. Um, the gold cards have this gold foil to them. Uh, I, just trying to get them all to work out, to get all the cards in your hand, to go with each other, to just multiply points on points on points. 
that is like music to my ears, man. Because again, I'm basically playing my hand to the best of my ability and you're doing the same. And how we go about that and who we keep and who we discard, different. But that's cool. And uh, yeah, another reason why I love this game, amazing production value. I just love that mechanic in a game so much. And that's why my number 13 is Red Rising. My number 12 is actually from Portal Games, which we have four of their games. I've already talked about one. And this one is a game about fashion and the fashion industry. And it's called Pret a Porter. I'm not sure how you say that. That's how I always say it. Yeah. Um, And this is a, a worker placement game and economic game and set collection game about running a fashion house empire empire yeah (laughs) and designing clothes and then putting those designs that you have come up with into a fashion show at certain points in the game and you're trying to do all that to earn the most money because in this game you're earning money but you're also spending money that you're earning so it's you know everything is done through cash points are being earned and spent all the time there are some times when you can take some of your money that you've earned on hand, put it into the bank, which actually translates into score around the track. So kind of like, so you, you know, you don't have to worry about losing and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's got a lot going on. It's another one that's pretty hard to teach. And a lot of the people that we've played it with, I don't think like it as much as us. So it doesn't come out that much, but it's all, it's one that I always want to play. I like the theme. I like the look of it. Cause we have the new one and the new one does look pretty nice. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. And I love it. So my number 12, Predator. I like this one a lot. And you're right. I don't feel like other people seem to like it as much as we do. And I really like it like next week. Like it. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I think it was up there for me last year. I mean, it's really like Predator if you want to use French or whatever, but it means ready to wear. Um, but we're English. Most English speakers say Predator. Yeah, and that's how I'll keep saying it, because I'm not free. Okay, my number 12 is an Uncle Vital game. And this is my highest Uncle Vital game. Because while I do love his games, they are beast number one. And I, because of that, number two, it's difficult to get other people to play them. Because they don't want their brain to be challenged. Or it takes so long to go through the rules. And... All those things. But we have taught some people this one. And Brandon's actually kind of hung in there with this. Although I don't know that he likes it. And that is The Gallerist. Oh, The Gallerist. Uh, this game is so great. The theme is awesome because you're running a, an art gallery, which is really cool. And it's like all these different aspects of the art gallery. Like you want to bring people into your art gallery. You also want to discover new artists. You want to buy their paintings when they're relatively well, like unknown. You help them, you know, get some notoriety or fame. And then you sell their paintings for like a butt ton once they're famous because people want them. You can also get pay, sell paintings in the foreign market. Like you want, you got to have assistance to help you do all these actions and buy and sell paintings. Like, I love that. Um, the Eno tool artwork on this, I think, is just is sweet. Like I love it. It's just classic. It feels so much like like a modern art take on it, which I I, I love that. Like I it's just such a good game and true Uncle Vital style. You take a turn 
And then you can also take these other little actions and then you can leave like a worker and then someone else goes to that same place. You know, they bump you out, but then you get like another smaller action while they're taking the main action. Um, And like you want to do this one thing, but to do that one thing, you have to do these other two things first and then figure out how you can afford to do that. I mean, it's a lot, but I feel like this is the most easily accessible of VTEL's games that I've played. Um, And I think that we've been the most successful teaching this to other people because the theme works well with it. Um, And it's a it's a cool theme, I think, that people like to latch on to. So my number 12 is The Gallerist. Yeah, I'll be talking about this one next week. I haven't talked about it yet, so it'll, it'll show back up, I think. Hmm. All right, so my number 11 is another game from the Italians. And this is one that we don't play a lot. And part of it is because this is one of their harder teaches. And this is Zolkin the Mayan calendar. And this is the game with the cool gears. And it, at its heart, it's a worker placement game. But the way the worker placement works in this is you're going to place on a, on your turn, you're either going to place workers down on gears or you're going to recall workers from gears and take the action of where they are. The longer they sit on the gear, the better the actions. But the rub is you always have to either put one down or take one off. So you can't just let everybody sit there for five rounds and do nothing. You're always moving them on and off and all that kind of thing. And you're trying to collect corn. You're trying to collect different resources. You're trying to build buildings. You're trying to collect crystal skulls to give offers to the gods. Um, You're trying to, uh, what else is there? Um, I think that's really it. Just score pile points. Move up. There's three tracks you're moving up on because I love tracks. You got to have tracks. It's just a really fun game. The worker placement bit is really neat. I like it. I just another one that I don't really want to teach, and that's mostly because I'm lazy and I want to teach the games. So, if you know how to play it, I'll gladly play it with you. My number eleven, Zolkin, the Mind Calendar. Yeah, I don't know where this is on mine. I I've never liked it as much as you, but it's been a really long time since we've played it. I think it's a fun game and I would play it. I just haven't. I did talk about this to that random stranger lady that's now my best friend that I met at the game store. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot go anywhere and just be like a spectator, a bystander, a shopper. Um, people just want to talk to me like all the time. And then and not just like talk, like make casual conversation. Like they want to share stuff with me. And I said, I, I don't really need to know that you live in a farmhouse with your husband and that you have really bad internet. So you play board games. And I'm, I mean, I got the whole story. Well, let me tell you why. Here's what, well, Katie will look at somebody and smile. <laughs> yes. Like a friendly, normal One. person. That's your problem. Me, when someone catches my eyes, I immediately look away and walk away. Because like every decent human being, they don't want to talk to me really anyway, so I'm just doing them a favor. All right? So I'm trying to make myself look like the jerk to keep them from having to pretend like they're not a jerk. That's how I li- that's how I roll. So Katie gets stuck in the conversations. I get to go on with my life and do what I was planning on doing in the first place. And it feels good. People like me. You're supposed to smile to people, which, again, also gets me in trouble because I don't know, because I I like always generally smile. And then I get mad when some man tells me that I should smile. I'm like, I'm always freaking smiling. And if I smile or not, it's none of your dang business. Yeah, I'm not telling you you can't smile. I'm just telling you that's the reason why people talk to you and why they don't talk to me. Well, I mean, there's other reasons why they don't talk to me, but 
I don't understand why a smile is an introduction, like an invitation to a conversation. I just assumed. It clearly is. It happens to you every single day. <laughs> I know. It did tonight. We went out to a Chinese buffet <laughs> and I found out this whole man, this man's like his, his whole like ancestry. <laughs> you know what I did? I ignored him and went and got food and sat down and started eating. <sighs> well, we can't all be you, Jason. <laughs> I know. It's a burden I got to bear. It's tough. All right. My uh, number 11 and the last one I'm going to talk about on this episode is such a good game. And we haven't played it for a while and I'm pretty ticked. And actually, I think the last time we played it, um, we played it with someone who has like the worst AP I've ever seen in my life. We'll call him out. His name is Spencer. Okay, it was, it was Spencer from the board game rundown. <laughs> he doesn't and listen this, to any of these shows, so I don't really care. That's we'll true. And this game took an eternity and I felt like he hated it, but then I thought maybe he liked it and I'm still not sure, but I like this game and that is Rajas of the Ganges. Oh my gosh. This is a dice placement game. It's so good because in Rajas, you've got so many different opportunities open to you. Like the things you can do, you're like placing stuff on your own personal board and like making these paths to different resources and then collecting different items on these tiles that can give you um, like coins and stuff. This is the maybe the first game where I've seen where there's again two tracks around the outside. One is a points board and one is a money board and you are playing and increasing both. No points and influence, right? Points and influence. Yes. Points and influence. Come back to reality. And you're trying to get those two to meet and cross in order to, as far as you can, in order to win. But you can do that through putting stuff on your board, through moving your boat down the Ganges, through, um, what else are you doing? Drafting dice, your dice are being drafted to play in these different areas that you want to go. There's also like this board on the side where you can collect things. I forget what that one's called. Um, I I'm not sure which. I can't remember. Again, it's been a it's been a while since we've played it, but it's one of those games where you can do so many different things, and maybe you're really racing ahead on influence. Someone else can be racing ahead on points. Like just balancing those. Like maybe you're like ah, I can't see a way to get its influence, but I know how to get points, so I'm going to move up on that track and just inch my influence along somehow. So I can get them to meet. Like there's just lots of different ways to go about this and picking up your extra little workers that allow you to get more dice and then use those in different ways. Like it's visually very appealing, colorful, lovely. Um, Also the first player marker is this cardboard elephant that you make. And I love him so much. And he runs around my board um, when I have him, which is probably why I sometimes don't win because I'm too busy playing with the elephant. We do have that upgraded one that Fred sent us too. Yes. How do, did, I don't think we played with that one yet. We <gasps> haven't played the game since we've gotten it yet. Tragedy. We're going to bust this sucker out. Um, so my number 11 is Rajas of the Ganges. All right. So that wraps up our games 20 to 11. Guys, next episode top 10 the top 10 games of all time for jason and i is in our next episode but let's recap numbers 20 through 11 because they are truly awesome games so my number 20 let me scroll up here because again i'm never prepared uh my number 20 is uh there it is the voyages of marco polo 19 
uh, yeah, okay. Lisboa, 18, Hadar. I'm struggling with the reading. 17, Abomination, the Era of Frankenstein. 16, Concordia. 15, London. 14, Obsession. 13, Bruges. 12, Pret-a-Porter. And 11, Zolkin, the Mayan Calendar. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, you're done already? That was really quick. I mean, I was struggling to read, so it did take a little bit longer than normal. Uh, my number 20 is London. Number 19 is Obsession. 18, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. 17, Merlin. 16, Wingspan. 15, Genotype. 14, Elysium. 13, Red Rising. I almost read yours. Uh, 12, The Gallerist. And 11, Rajas of the Ganges. Surprised? Do you have your own list? Are any of these new to you? Do you want to try some of them? Let us know. Find us on all, all our socials. Um, we love to hear from you guys. I love to know. Prep your top 10 and post those for us because I love to find new games and see what you guys are playing and what you really love um, and disparage you if you're wrong. Just kidding. Yep. And if I see you at a restaurant, I will politely ignore you and keep walking. There you go. And I will talk to you and we will become best friends. And before I leave, you have told me all your secrets and my hair will have gotten bigger because it will be full of them. <laughs> That's how it works, people. That's the marriage that we have and it works for us. <laughs> Jason's like, can we leave this freaking store? Stop talking to this stranger. I just I just call my business. All right. Well, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>